Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Hey, good to see all of you. We're so glad that you're here. <clears throat> if you're visiting, we normally don't start that way. Um, uh, I'm just glad you're here. This uh, is week three in a series that it's, this sounds funny to my ears. This series will end, and then the next weekend will be Advent, which just sounds like, what? I just realized today it's 2021, and uh, it's not 2004, so that was a bit of a shocker today. But uh, uh, this series is entitled uh, Chasing After the Wind. We're looking at the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, We've never gone through Ecclesiastes, and uh, at least when I've been at, at part of this church, and, and one of the reasons is it's such a strange book. Uh, at first glance, it seems very hopeless, very negative. Uh, 38 times the writer, who we believe to be King Solomon, who was considered to be the wisest man to have ever lived, 38 times he uses the Hebrew word hevel, and in your Bible, the word that they use to you know, try to capture the meaning of Hevel or define Hevel, it might be vanity, useless, or in, in my Bible, it says meaningless. And that's something we need to consider that, okay, the wisest man who ever lived in uh, trying to understand life and trying to find meaning and purpose behind all this stuff that we, that we go through, 38 times in this book is brought to the place of just going, Ay! meaningless. It's meaningless. And I, I've always thought Solomon would be uh, a good candidate for this, to be a spokesperson for Prozac or, you know, him and, him and Eeyore or like neck and neck competition to be the face of, you know, the antidepressant industry. But, it, but as we go through the book, and maybe you're, maybe you're seeing this already after the first couple talks, but beyond the first glance, this book is much more than negative you know, than just negative or hopeless or, or you know, pessimistic. But really, as, as we get into this book, uh, what we'll see is it's, it's really a very sobering book, a very refreshing book, a very life-giving book. And, and one of the reasons uh, that it accomplished that is because uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes is willing to be brutally honest. Like, he's, he's brutally honest about life. Uh, he's... he's very honest about the, you know, the, the different elephants in the room that we all see, that we all experience, but, you know, but we don't want to talk about. And, you know, especially that, like, life is so unpredictable. Life is illogical. M many times, isn't life, it's unfair. Like, you can, you can do everything right. You can eat all the right food, exercise every day, and you still have high cholesterol, you know, you still have heart disease or, what, you know, whatever the condition. You could, uh, you can pray and pray and pray for the right spouse. You can keep yourself sexually pure. Wait for that special someone. You can even find them on eHarmony.com, which is God's website. Uh, and, and still, and still, you can have a really hard marriage. Your marriage can, uh, can end in divorce. You can read every book available on parenting. You could, you know, in the day you could have James Dobson. I don't know if you'd want that anymore, but you could have him move in with you and still your child would go off, you know, 
goes off the rails. Or you can, you know, faithfully invest, save for retirement, you know, invest in that 401k, whatever it is. You can deny yourself frivolous, uh, impulsive spending and still in just a moment, your retirement plans, your investments can just, can just, Plummet. I mean, there's so much of life is, is unfair. I mean, your, your, your business goes into bankruptcy. Your, your hair falls out. Your hair turns gray. Your nasal hairs turn white. What is up with that? But, it's, but so much of life, make sure to write that down in your notes, but so much of that is like life is unpredictable. It's illogical. It's unfair. And this is where Ecclesiastes is very helpful uh, for us. Uh, it forces us to consider, to admit and to even embrace one of the very real truths about uh, this life, which is our level of control is so limited. Have you ever thought about that? Our level of control in this life is so incredibly limited. So much, most of what we've gone through, most of what we're going through right now, most of what we will go through in this life is way, way out of our control. Uh, and as humans, we don't like admitting that. We don't like, we love being in control or at least thinking we're in control. We like acting like we're in control. Like, yeah, I got this, I got this, you know, I'm in control. And, and we, we sort of, we, you know, we live out that charade until something comes flying out of left field that, that, you know, uh, totally exposes the reality that we are not in, uh, in as much control of all this stuff of life that we thought we were. Uh, years ago, I worked uh, for a painting company back in Vancouver called Remdel Painting and Decorating, if uh, they're still in business. And uh, we, I remember we bought a, an old utility truck. We, we would call it a cherry picker. You know, it has a big hydraulic boom and a bucket on the end. And uh, on one of the jobs, uh, some of the guys were... They wanted, you know, to move the truck around to the other side of the building that they were painting. And, and, and whenever we would move the truck, we always secured the boom, had this like this, this pedestal it would sit on and we'd put the strap on it. And uh, so this day that, you know, the guy, he jumps into the cab of the truck and he yells, you know, like, hey, don't forget to strap down the boom. And, and one of the guys, a guy that I still know this to today, uh, he jumped into the back of the truck and said something like this, oh, don't worry. I'll uh, hold it in place. So you sort of know where I'm going. And off they went. They rounded the first corner, and the momentum of the corner just lifted. That boom just went, boop, just lifted and started swinging out towards the sidewalk. And if you can just imagine, my buddy, he would have been like, I don't know, 160 pounds or something. He's like, <laughs> he's trying to control this boom, which... I don't know, weighs like four or 500 pounds. Meanwhile, the driver of the truck is like oblivious to what is going on until he hears a smash off, you know, on his peripheral. And what happened is that boom swung all the way out and sheared off a Chevron gas station sign, right? And so the guy in the back of, the, and this is a true story, the guy in the back of the truck uh, had a very rude awakening of how, much he was not in control of the situation. When I heard this story, I lit, and I know this guy, and he's a friend, I literally thought, what an idiot. That's what, like, I thought, what was he thinking or not thinking that he could actually control something like that? Well, you know, I think we do the exact same thing on a daily basis. 
We try to control stuff, the stuff of life that is so beyond our control, that is like way bigger than us. Like, like consider this, and this is big. Like, like, do you really think you can control a global virus? Really? Do you really think you can control like global relations or a, a global economy? Now that seems like it's out in space. Like, like, let's bring it closer to home. Do you really think you can control your spouse? See, there's any elbowing going on in the room, right? Or, or like, you know, or your friend. Like, do you really think you can control your friend? Or if you are a boss or a manager, do you really think you have control over your employees? Or if you're a teacher, your student, if you're a parent, you know, do, do you really think you can control your child? Like, let's be honest, we can't even control a little puppy, right? We can't. In fact, we can't even control ourselves, like, where, where have your thoughts gone already today? Right? Or, you know, something I struggle with on a daily basis is controlling this thing, my mouth. Right? Or my impulses, my reactions, right? Let alone controlling others or these massive things. Here's where I'm going today. The, 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 the sobering but freeing truth of Ecclesiastes is this. And what we're going to look at is let God control what he's responsible for and let us do our best to control what we are responsible for. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll jump in. So Lord, <clears throat> I thank you for today. I thank you just for everyone who's here. Lord, I thank you that, uh, well, just, I am excited. What makes today so exciting is not just because it's a Sunday or it's a beautiful sunny day. It's because you're here. And I pray, Lord, that you would, you know where we're all at, what we think, what we believe, just all this stuff. But I pray that you would just help us today to lean more into you. Lord, where we're dull to the things of you, just, just have mercy and take the big step towards us. Lord, so we welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes 3. And we're going to start by looking at a, like a very familiar uh, passage, especially if you're like a, you know, 60s, 70s rock and roller, if you're familiar with the band The Birds. Okay. And they had a hit song uh, released. There we go. There's always one. Uh, uh, released in 65, they released a song, not their own song, but they released a song called Turn, Turn, Turn. And uh, it's taken from this passage. So let's read Ecclesiastes 3. This is starting in verse 1. It says, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. All right, remember, Ecclesiastes is a, is a collection of the thoughts and, you know, really the ponderings of a very wise, very accomplished, very life-experienced man. And he's trying to, you know, to understand, to find meaning, to find purpose behind 
all this stuff that we go through, all the highs and the lows, all the, you know, the joys and the pains that he's observed in his own life and that he's observing in the, in the lives around him. And I think it's interesting, um, a little side note, the, the writer of the song based on this passage called Turn, Turn, Turn is a guy named uh, uh, Pete Seeger. And I read this week that he wrote this song in like 15 minutes. And, uh, and this, was, this was the part that was very interesting to me is this song was inspired by the fact that he was really angry at his publisher. And they don't give the details of what was going on, but, it's, you know, but he, he wrote this song to process his anger, to process his confusion, disappointment, whatever was going on. And in this section from Ecclesiastes, Solomon is using sort of a song. He's using a poem to process, to express his thoughts. And in this poem, he's using a literary technique known, technique known as mirrorism. And mirrorism, it's a, it's a super effective uh, uh, way of writing. It's, where it's, it's placing polar opposites or extremes beside each other. And it's really effective because this technique, and especially in what Solomon wrote, it really helps him cover a lot of life territory with not a lot of words. So, you know, when he says there's a time to be born and there's a time to die, it's not a lot of words. But in that statement, he's covering everything else that happened between those two significant uh, uh, events. And he goes on to do, he does that, you know, tear and to sow and, and, you know, tear down, build up. Like he, he goes through all these other lists of different things of life and there really isn't, it doesn't seem to be any logical or, or, you know, or natural connection between the list of extremes. It's almost like Solomon is just sitting down and just unloading this long list of all this stuff of life that is like, in his opinion, he would say, it's just, it's just out of our, it's out of our control, right? And maybe it would help for us to, you know, that this list would become more meaningful. Let me, let me use some modern examples in order to capture what he's, you know, what he's trying to express. Like, for instance, there's a time for a promotion and a time to be let go because the company is downsizing and you're, you're no longer wanted. There's a time for a healthy pregnancy and a time for a miscarriage. There's a time for a joy-filled wedding celebration and a time for a pain-filled divorce. There's a time when your kids want nothing but to be with you and a time when they want nothing but to be with their friends. There's a time for remission and a time for chemotherapy. There's a time when you're earning a salary and a time when you're wondering if you've saved enough for retirement. You know what? Like, I look at that list. I look at the list that Solomon wrote, and they're really, I think the fact that there seems to be no rhyme or reason points to to this, you know, it's, it's him pointing to this reality, trying to express this reality that there's so much in this life that is out of our control. Like, as, you know, as humans, we can plan, we can schedule, we can research, we can be super disciplined people, you know, we can be very responsible with all our decisions, and still, Solomon would say, life happens to us. You know, uh, many times as I'm driving on like 71 or 270, I'll, you know, you're driving along, you see the lights, and you know, oh, there's an accident, right? And whenever we drive by, we all go like, don't look, don't look, but, but we, have, we just look, we have to look. And, I, and so many times when I drive by an accident on, on the freeway, when I look, this thought will go through my mind. It'll be like, I'll look at the guy, you know, and I'll think, you know what? I don't think that guy got up this morning and thought, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to total off my car. Right? Or, or, or I drive by, you know, like that lady. I don't think that lady over there 
you know, in that accident, I don't think she thought, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm, I'm going to get a concussion and 37 stitches, and I'm going to break my left leg. Like, like they, don't, they didn't plan those things. It, it just happened to them. It's out of their control. And isn't like, and as I look around this room, I, you know, I know most of the room, or at least I know enough about most of the room that I know that there are many things going on in individuals and families and businesses and all the stuff of life where you are right in the middle of that kind of a, of a place of, of a confusing, I didn't ask for this situation. Life is just happening to you. I, I remember years ago sitting in a hospital room watching my older sister die. And she was like, uh, she was 53, I think. And you know what? We didn't plan that. She didn't plan that. And, and I remember in this hospital, they had this very cool tradition where up, up, you know, up in the maternity ward when a baby was born, they would play a lullaby over all the speakers in the hospital. And I thought, and it sounded just like that, like a cell phone. But, I, but, it, but you know what? I just thought, I thought, that is so strange. You know, do-do-do, 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 do-do. And you're sitting there thinking, okay, I don't know how to take this right now. Because we're sitting here, we're already starting to mourn. And there's just a heavy sadness as we're losing a loved one. And like, you know, two, uh, two floors up, there's a group of people that are celebrating the, 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 the gaining of a loved one. You know, and I, I find that, I mean, I, you know, that, that's just, that's hard to get your head around. I, you know, I thought this week, I was thinking, you know what, yet again, Disney is right. Uh, you know, remember in Lion King, the circle of life? Right, here, here's some of the lyrics from, you know, from the day we arrive on the planet and blinking step into the sun. There's more to see than can ever be seen, more to do than can ever be done. Some of us fall by the wayside and some of us soar to the stars and some of us sail through our troubles and some have to live with the scars. There's far too much to take in here, more to find than can ever be found but the sun rolling high through the sapphire sky keeps great and small on the endless round. The circle, the circle of life. And, and like, you know, and doesn't it, 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 it's, it really is that way. It's like waves that just keep crashing on the beach of humanity. And sometimes in life, you're like, like you're, you're surfing on the crest of that wave and everything's great. And then I would say, I'm being honest, more times than not, you're tumbling, gasping for breath under the weight of that wave that just, you know, that just crashed on you. And I was thinking about this weekend about how stuff just happens to us. And I, I had this thought, I, this question went through my mind. Have you ever noticed that we almost never question when things go well in our lives. Like we never go like, wait a minute, why did I get a raise? Right, like why did we win the lottery? Like we don't do that, do we? Like, wait a minute, why did my child get a full ride scholarship to, you know, uh, Harvard or whatever it is? Like, like we don't run to God and yell, why? Why is my marriage so much fun? Why? why? Like, why is my career so fulfilling? We just don't do it. Like, why? Why are my kids so healthy? Why is my fridge always filled with food? Like, that sounds, 
It just sounds ridiculous, right? Like we don't do that. But let me, another little side note, let me say this. One of the things that, that I believe God wants to grow in us is grow us all in the discipline of being grateful. We live in the lap of luxury on planet Earth. And I believe God wants to stir in us a quicker uh, responsiveness to his goodness, right? Like that we would become more of a worshiping congregation and the heart of worship, the, one of the foundations of worship is to say thank you for all that he has done. So, but so, so, uh, so what do we, when do we question, right? When do we maybe yell, why at God? Isn't, isn't, it, isn't it when things don't go as expected, isn't it when things don't go, you know, as we hoped? And here's the real kicker. Isn't it when things don't go as we prayed? Oh, that's, that's, that is a hard one. Like, so why is that? Why is it that when, you know, when stuff comes our way, when hard stuff comes our way, our lack of control, why does that hit us in such, such a deep uh, such a deep place. Well, let's, let's read on in the passage. You know, after listing all these different extremes, seasons of life, time for this, time for that, he says this in verse nine. He says, what do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. So why do we struggle? Why does the, you know, the hard stuff the, that we go through in this life, why does it hit us in such a deep place? Well, I believe one of the main reasons is because God has wired into a very deep place in the human heart. He has wired in a taste of eternity. Like, like there's, this, there's, this, there's something deep inside the human heart that, that, that there's a taste for how it's meant to be. Right, let me read verse 11 again. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. See, I believe whether a person is in church this weekend, whether a person believes in God or not, I believe in the heart of every human being, there is something that when there's this, there's this awareness of eternity, of perfection, and so as we, as we, you know, go through our lives and we look at our own lives, we look at our families, we look at, you know, you watch the news and all the crazy that's going on, there's something inside the heart of every human being that rises up and says, it's not supposed to be this way. It's not supposed to be like this. People aren't supposed to get sick and die. We have eternity in our hearts. There's something in our hearts that says we're supposed to live forever. Like we're not supposed to kill each other and hurt each other and use each other. We're meant, to, we're meant to be, you know, to experience love and deep, intimate friendship with each other. Like there's something within the heart that God has put in the heart. There's a longing in the heart of every human being for another world, for a perfect world, for a world with him where everything is 
beautiful beyond our imagination and peaceful and, 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 and safe and joyful where no one, no one goes without, no one is excluded, everyone is welcomed in and loved and valued. And uh, C.S. Lewis totally captures this. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. See, see, I believe this whole thing, I'm talking about eternity in our hearts, I believe that this is the burden that God has laid on the human race. A taste of eternity, but not the but not the full meal, if you will. We, that doesn't come till later. And, and when, I, you know, when I, was, I was sitting at my desk and I thought, that's kind of cruel. That's kind of cruel to just give us a taste. Why, why would you, why? <laughs> there we go, why? Like, why, why would you do that? And there's something that we, we need to learn from the writer of Ecclesiastes is that even in the midst of that frustration, that seeming unfairness, he still recognizes all that's, he still recognizes that all that's going on is from God. Even though he doesn't like it and he's confused by it, he still acknowledges many times and in many ways that God is in control of, of all the different times and seasons, even when they're confusing even when they hurt, even when they are so disappointing. He's, he, just, he drives us over and over that God is bigger, God is in control, and he allows all this. And, and then in verse 14, he answers why. In verse 14, it says, God does, God does it so that people will fear him. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If I thought you were cruel before now, I think you're kind of a bully. Like, like sort of like the kid... Well, I was that kid, the kid with the magnifying glass and the sun and the ant. You know, like you're just going to toast this guy. Like I'm messing with, like, like it seems like, 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 wait a minute. If I'm reading this correct, are you saying that like you're going you're gonna to mess with us just so that you can really put us in our place and show, show us who's boss? Is that like what you're saying here? Like, like you're going to put eternity in our hearts. You're going to give us a taste for something that, that, that we won't fully experience in, or we can't or won't fully experience in this life until, until the next life. Like it's sort of like I'm going to give you an itch that you can, you, can never, you can never scratch. This seems so cruel to me. And I know if we were honest, uh, I know there's been times where I've looked at God and I've, I've thought, I, I don't want to say it because my whole upbringing in the church is you, you can't say that. You can't, you, you can't <laughs> say what you really think to God. But what I'm learning is we have to say what we really think because it's what's controlling us and we have to get it out, right? We have to be able to say, I don't understand this. Like if you really are in charge, if you really are all powerful, if you really are love, well then why wouldn't you just you know, why wouldn't you just do this, right? Uh, J.T. Meyer used to be on staff. He was here a few weeks back. Whenever, I, I love when J.T. Uh, speaks. I, I love when, I, when he shares his testimony. He always says this quote, something like this. It's not that I doubted God's existence. What I doubted was, is he good? 
Like, I'm convinced most people that you go to work with tomorrow, most, you know, be they students or, like, neighbors, like, all this stuff, people that we know, I think most, that might be changing now, but I think most do believe in God, uh, you know, some powerful being. But I think the question for most, especially when it comes to God in, our, in the Christian God is, yeah, but is he good, right? So, so is he good or is he, a, is he a bully? Well, there's good news. He is good, in case you're wondering. First of all, in verse 14, the word fear, God does it so that people will fear him. I don't think that's a helpful choice or a helpful, yeah, a helpful choice from the original Greek word. The original Greek word is yare, uh, the Hebrew word, I'm sorry, uh, it means to fear, to stand in awe of, to revere. And that word yare, uh, typically in the Old Testament, it's used within the context of worship. Now that should tell us something about what this word means. It's not a fear like a punishment fear. What this word really is getting at is, is that what God wants to, wants to teach in us or grow in us, it's more of a, like an overwhelming awe. Right? It's like, like an overwhelming, like, like when you come into the presence of something so big and so awesome that it just drives you to your knees. Right? Like, like one of my, I love going to Niagara Falls and uh, the Canadian side, sorry. But I love going, sorry, sorry, eh? But I love going there because, you know, one of the cool things about the falls is you can go right to the edge if you've been there and there's a railing, but it's not very high, which is weird. But you can stand like right here and the falls drop right there. And it's like whenever I go there, I'm holding on. And I, I think this is what, what Yare means. It's like that is so scary and so beautiful all at the same time. And see, so, see, so when God says he does all this uh, so that we will fear him, I believe what he's getting at, he does all this. He, he puts eternity in the heart of every hum, human being and he does it to awaken us that there's more to this life than just what we understand and see in the horizontal. Like it says, and now I'm totally, I know it's in 2 Corinthians where it says the God of this age, talking about the devil, has blinded people. And I believe it's the mercy of God that he's given us a taste for, for, for eternity because it's awakened us. Like, wait a minute, I think there's more. I think there's more than just living and dying and trying to get a bigger house and a bigger this and a bigger that and a bigger this. Like, I think there's more to life than that. So really, like, the desire, that what God is trying to awaken us is he's trying to get our eyes up to see him and that we would be in awe of him, right? He's not trying to beat us down. He's really trying to lift us up. Listen to this quote. Uh, Part of being wise in this world is learning to accept that we have only very limited access to the big picture. To be sure, we often want access to it, for God has put eternity in our heart. But the point is that we cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. God is not being unkind to us by not sharing it. The point is that we are not built to understand the big picture precisely because we live in time and God does not. We are limited. He is not. If we could see the end from the beginning and understand how a billion lives, a thousand generations, and unspeakable sorrows and untold joys are all woven together into a tapestry of perfect beauty, well, then we would be God. See, one of the consistent themes in Ecclesiastes is he's, you know, trying to figure all this stuff of life out is the consistent theme is the bigness of God. 
and that God is always greater than. All this stuff he's trying to understand, and we're not going to get to it today, but in chapter 3, he goes on to start saying, hey, but, you know, he's struggling with all the injustice in the world, all the oppression. He starts to have questions about the afterlife. Like, where do we go? What happens to us when we die? Like, he's trying to process all this stuff. And I think, you know, in Ecclesiastes, when he yells out, meaningless, you know, useless, vanity, hevel. I believe he's not writing God off when he says that. I believe he's writing himself off. And what I mean is he's confessing, you know, uncle, if you will. He's confessing, this is beyond my understanding. I, I am limited and you are not. So I confess, I confess that I cannot figure this out, but I am putting my trust in you that you can figure this out and that you are in control. Because think about it. If the God we believe in, if he isn't bigger than you, bigger than me, if he isn't, you know, smarter than you, smarter than, than, than me, if, if his ways are not beyond our understanding, well then, like, we're in trouble. And we need to find another God, right? We need to find someone worthy of of our worship and our, of our giving our lives to. And see, we worship and we trust him for the good things, for the great promises, for forgiveness, for grace, for heaven, for eternity. But a deeper level of trust and worship, a deeper level of faith, a deeper level of relationship with him, of, of experiencing his presence and his power, I believe is only found in saying yes to him, in following him, in trusting him in the hard, hard, confusing, painful times when it seems like he's not keeping his promises. Like to lay down our need for an answer and that it would be enough just to know him and just to know that he's got it. He's got it. He, 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 he's in control. And so, you know, church, I, I think about what we're going through right now or in the last couple of years and who knows what's coming. Like, I, I, I realize I have to confess to God and to you. I, I, don't I don't understand what's going on right now. Right? You look at the news, you look at planet Earth and all these things that seem really secure and solid are just spinning out of control. And I have my opinions. I definitely have some thoughts. But, but I don't know about you, but as I'm trying to process and figure out, understand what's going on, I feel like my little brain, my little Commodore 64 is like, <laughs> it just is ready to pop sometimes. Because like, I honestly don't know. Is, like, is it a pandemic or is it a pandemic? So I'm not asking for a vote. Like, like, or what about this long you know, list of conspiracy theories? Like, there's some crazy stuff out there. Right, but I don't know about you, but I don't find any peace. I don't find solid ground in any of them. Uh, like, like, are we moving towards a one-world government? I don't know. Like, is the Antichrist, is he somewhere in Romania, get, you know, getting a, fitted for a really nice suit because he's going to step onto the global stage? Like, I don't know. Are we in the end times? Well, sort of. But are we in the end, end times? I don't know. So, but two things that I do know. One is this. I am suspect of anyone beyond Jesus who says that they have it all figured out. I am suspect. Second thing is this. What the world needs now in a time of such incredible confusion and fear is for the church. 
is for the follower of Jesus to, to stand up and to be a bright neon sign in the world pointing people to Jesus, saying he's the solid rock. He's the one who's in control, right? He's the one who really sees what's going on. He's the one who, like, nothing can happen unless he allows it. Nothing can happen in your life, in your child's life, in the United States. Nothing can happen unless it fits into this beautiful tapestry that he is weaving. Like, whatever he's doing will last forever. And only God is able to take, you know, all this stuff and to make it beautiful in its time. See, so how do we, I, I'm going to end it here. How do we do that? How do we be a bright neon sign to the world? Well, you know, many times in Ecclesiastes, he, you know, here's this wisest, wisest man trying to figure out all these complex things. He always seems to land on this very simple, and I'm glad it's simple, this very simple conclusion. Verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction even in their toil. This is the gift of God. So when we're talking about responsibility, you know, I think what Ecclesiastes says and what that passage right there says, our responsibility is to do our best to just live life, to be a grateful people, to be a happy people, to be a people who, who even are able to find satisfaction in the toil, in the struggle, in the confusing, in the hard stuff, not because we understand it, but because we have put our faith in the one who does understand it and who will use it to make something beautiful. So uh, let's, let's stand up. We're going to go back into worship. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.